Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Church. I just want to welcome everyone this morning who have joined us on live stream, and it's a joy to be here in the house of God. And I just can't believe that we have come to the last Sunday in the month of January. One whole month has passed so fast. I know over the month of January, we have been going through the exhortation given to the children of God. Now, in the plains of Moab, through Moses, and just prior to them crossing into their promised land. The, the promise that was given to them that they would fear the Lord and would keep all His commandments so that their day may be, days may be prolonged and it would be well with them. Now this is a timeless principle and we have been working on it from the very first Sunday in 2021. So as children of God, we learned three things we should do so that our days may be prolonged and it would be well with us. So as it was promised, as individuals, we looked at that we should fear the Lord and obey His commandments. Then as a family, we looked at that we should make our home a house of prayer and we learned how to pray. Then we looked at as a family, we must make our home a house of love, having our priorities right in all we do to love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our strengths. And today, we will examine the last lesson on this series, and from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. So I would encourage you to open your Bibles, and we're going to look at just four verses, verses 6 to 9. And let me read that to you first. Verses 6 and 7. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verses 8 and 9. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, after instructing the people to fear the Lord, to obey His commands, to make their homes into a house of prayer and house of love, now the Lord draws their attention, their primary focus on the Word of God, on learning and teaching His precepts and commands. Now, it's actually an exhortation to make our homes a house of teaching. So let me begin by posing a question to you. Church, why do you think many children have rejected the faith of their parents? The reason, church, is because the children don't see that demonstrated in their parents. The children see that moms and dads talk and their walk don't jive. The children pick it up very quickly. 
They get disillusioned by the parents' lifestyle. They see the hypocrisy in their parents. The children follow suit and soon they become one. Then we wonder, where did we go wrong, pastor? So it begs the question, how do I raise my children? How can we raise our children? Now these days I have been giving premarital counsel to a number of couples. And the first lesson I do is to draw their attention to the very basics, biblical concept of a family. And when you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18 to 25 is a great passage to look at. And as we go through that, we understand that God is the architect of the institution of marriage. So the plans of a home is God's. The specification is God's. And thank God because he has given it to us. We have answers to every problem in marriage, in raising children, in every aspect of life. So you ask, Pastor, how do I get equipped to be good parents? How do I get equipped to be good parents? So let me state a premise or a hypothesis. Scripture alone is sufficient to equip us as good parents. Let me make the statement again. Scripture alone is sufficient to equip us as good parents. This hypothesis has been tested since the time of creation, time and time again, and proven to be true by men and women of God. Now, Paul says when in his epistle to Timothy, he writes, Scripture is adequate to equip us for every good work. Surely, church, that includes the work of rearing our children properly. Now, you may think that the Bible is somewhat lacking in specific techniques concerning this vital topic. Church, I want you to remember this. Technique is not the key in raising children. True godliness and the wisdom found in God's word is the key. Technique is not the key. It's true godliness and the wisdom found in God's word. The Bible was written to teach us how to relate properly first to God and to each other. Sadly, now parents look to psychologists as the experts as to how to raise their children. Now these experts are dispensing anti-biblical advice such as building your child's self-esteem, as it were, compatible with Scripture. Parents, we must return to the child-rearing manual, which you all have in your homes. It is the Bible. The Lord is telling the children of Israel, I am leading you to the land I have promised. I want you to enjoy your life, have prolonged life, and have everything will go well for you. Here is the list of instructions on what you should be doing in order to reap these benefits. I hope so far it's clear, isn't it, church? It's simple, but it's a profound promise. Every one of us need it. And we learn that it all starts with us as individuals, as parents. You do your part, and the Lord says, See if I don't bless you. 
So the Lord says it starts with you. He says, fear the Lord, obey His commands, make your priorities right on your prayer life, on your love life. Follow my instructions. You be the examples. It starts with you, the Lord says. Even when the Lord created the universe, He created every living thing, the Bible says. He created man and woman. And the Lord said what? It is good. It is good indeed. So why is it not good for us today? My church, I always say this, life is not complicated. But we make it complicated and we blame God. I was doing some readings and I found this. Uh, these are helpful tips from Michigan State University. This is what they say. They say, remember, you are your child's first teacher. Talking to parents. Our children watch and learn from us every day. Every walking hour, your child is learning something new. By being careful about what you say and do, you can be sure you are teaching your child what you want them to learn and begin to set them on the path to school and life success. Church, the secular analysis, it says that you are the teacher. The Bible says you are the teacher. You say, excuse me, pastor. What did you say? Me, the teacher? I'm sure the most parents are asking the question. Yes, church, you heard it right. Every one of you parent. That's what we are learning today. As we read through verses 6 to 9, we see Moses revealing the importance of the Word of God in successful parenting. We are to take the Word of God and make it a primary motivator in all we do as parents. Now, as you look at this verse, as we look at the verse, we'll find two things that Moses is talking about to do with the Word of God. First, in verse number 6, let's read that. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So the first thing Moses is telling us is that we are to study the Word of God. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. How can it be in your heart if you don't study it? If you don't learn it? So we have to study. The word is to be taken in and it must be allowed to change our lives. If I expect my life to impact my children, then first I must be transformed by the word itself. Nothing can happen through me until it first happens in me. So it is essential that parents have a personal time of prayer and Bible study. You need to be continuously growing church so that you can help your children grow. It is essential you grow and, and you can only grow by eating solid food. Paul says that in his epistle. But some of us are still drinking milk. But worst of all, this is what yet some are merrily walking around sucking the spiritual soothers. Drinking what? Absolutely nothing. But for the world outside, you are pretending to be drinking something, fooling everyone, you yourself and God. That's what you're doing. So if we expect to raise godly children, we must first be godly parents. The importance and influence of the Word of God should never be underestimated. 
So what's the big deal about the Word of God, you may ask, church? Church, remember this about the Word of God. Why should we study the Word of God? This is why you should study first. I'm not going to go through the verses. I just want to give you the gist of it. First, the Word of God is infallible. In Proverbs, we find that every Word of God is pure. That is why you need the Word of God. Second, the word of God is complete and we read in the book of Revelation, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. It's complete. Third, the word of God is totally authoritative. It has the final authority in life. In the psalm, psalmist says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. For the word of God is totally sufficient for all our needs. And when Paul writes to Timothy, this is what he says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So every word that you see in the scripture is inspired word of God. And what is it useful for? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then he said that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And fifthly, the Word of God will accomplish what it promises. See the power of the Word in the book of Isaiah. It says, when, uh, so shall my Word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. But sixthly, most importantly, church, the Word of God will help us overcome sin. Again, the psalmist says, Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the list can go on and on and on. There's much more we can take from it. That's a study on its own. But church, this is why I keep coming after you. Sometimes I may be a pest. I come after you. I plead with you not to miss out on any of the Bible studies, any of the prayer meetings, of our Sunday services, our men's meeting, our women's meeting. Church, I want you, I beg you to see my heart. I could easily tell myself, why bother? But if I'm your shepherd, I need to tend the flock. So church, as long as the Lord lendeth me breath and strength, I will be coming after you because I love you. This is for your own growth and for your own good. Whom are we trying to impress? I want you to enjoy what the Lord has promised. Is it achievable? Of course it is. Do you trust in His promises? Haven't you tasted that His promises are true and amen in Christ? I have tasted it. And now I want to reap I want you to reap that benefit yourself for your own family. That is why I am after you. Please, please do not set anything before God. Let Him be the priority. Let your hearts be saturated with His works and His words. That's what you are seeing in the verse number 6. Let's move on to verse number 7 now. Now, we have said that we have to study it and let's look at verse number 7. It says that you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in their house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. There are two things that we are seeing here. We have to teach it. 
to the children. We are to share it with the children. We see that we are to teach it. This verse says that we are diligently teach the word of God to our children. Church, the word diligently means to wet or to sharpen. That's what it means. It carries the idea of stabbing of one object penetrating another. That's what the word of God does, isn't it? Penetrates into the hardened hearts. In other words, our training is to penetrate deeply into our children. We are to help them on the basis of God's word to be keen, sharp, and discerning when it comes to living life. We are not to teach them through dogmatic explanations such as, because I said so, you do it. That will never work. You might have grown up in a certain culture in certain ways. Who is worried about that? I'm sure your, your children must have told you at many different times that was those days when you're growing up. The culture changes, the value changes, your exposure changes, but what does not change is the Word of God, church. Is the Word of God. So you teach because, not because of what you say so or why you say so, because the Word of God says it. So we are to develop in them, in the children, a set of convictions based on the Word of God. That will guide them through life. It's not about a bunch of rules or, 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 or list of do's and don'ts. It's about teaching them by example and by explanation the things God would have them learn. These are the two words to remember, church. By example and by explanation. So as we read verse number 7, look at this. And we see this there are two commands here, as I said. The first thing he says, to teach them diligently to your children. We are instructed to teach them diligently. That describes a formal teaching. That's what it means. Teach them diligently, a formal teaching. Secondly, in the same verse, you can see that we are to, we shall talk with them. It's an informal teaching. There are two things we are looking at, a formal teaching and an informal teaching. Let's look at the formal teaching first. The father is responsible for diligently teaching his sons and his daughters. That's what the Bible says. I want you to note one thing here, church. God is not charging the pastors or the elders or the Sunday school teachers to do this. We, the fathers, must refuse any tendency to pass off our responsibility to formally teach our children. Instead, we are to embrace our responsibility as a charge from God. So what are we to do as fathers? We need to teach God's word diligently to our children. Our instructions to kids is God's words and commands. We need to teach them both positive and negative commands. Church, the Lord brings that God-conscious perspective to our children through us as fathers. When it's not in you, don't expect that to be in your child. Don't expect that to be in your child. This in turn brings great blessing to our lives. So it begs the question, church, why do many children of Christian families go wayward? 
Why do many children of Christian families go wayward? The answer is the fathers simply don't teach their children. Some children have heard their fathers teach others, but not themselves. But fathers have been charged with this responsibility. So what is the problem, church? The greatest problem with this concept is that the fathers usually do not know God's words well. They themselves don't know God's word. It is to a father's shame if he does not love God and his word. The children will reject their empty religion because that is all it has become. There's no substance in what the father is saying. If a father really loved God, then he would really love and study God's word and pass it on to his children. That's the first thing. The fathers don't know. The second thing, as another obstacle for fathers, is the notion that they are not gifted teachers. I'm not a gifted teacher. I've not been to seminary. In other words, fathers believe only a few gifted teachers can teach. Church, I want us to reject this need for fathers to be gifted teachers because they are called to instruct the children. So let us ask what the Word of God asks of us fathers to do. Every father. And Paul writes, gives an answer when he, in his epistle to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, look at the passage here. It has got a very timely advice for us parents. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, and read the last part. As a father does his children. We see here a great advice for us. There are three ways to influence our children, Paul says here. Firstly, Paul says to exhort. Exhort means to call to one side. This speaks of an effort to get your children on your team. Church, it is not your children are not the, on the opponent's side. They are your children. They are on your side. And they must always feel that you are with them. Even when they fail you, even if they, when they sin, when they go away from you, they must always feel that you are part of them. And we are to develop in, within them the same sort of convictions that you yourself possess. To do this, the key word is consistency. Sadly, fathers are not consistent always. When we do it by consistent loving and living, it must be seen by our children. If, we, if you live one way and try to push them in another, we will fail. They will look at us as hypocrites. The problem with most children is that they turn out just like their parents. And then we wonder why. Why God, why? The second thing that we, Paul says here is to comfort the children. To encourage them. As parents, we are to seek to bring out the best in our children by encouraging them in the things. They do, they do correctly and in the things that they do well, it's important that we are there as a support system for the children that can always come to you for that word of encouragement. Church, we don't provide encouragement in the word. Someone else will do it in the world. Thirdly, 
Paul says here, and be charged. To charge the world means to call to a, call a witness or, or to protest. Now we don't have to, we don't have to, we, we should not be just condoning what the child is doing when the child is doing something wrong. We need to encourage the child at the same time we have been called to charge. We must witness against the behavior of our children. We can only do that, charge the child if you are willing to encourage him or, or comfort him. And then we should be able to exhort him with the word. So that exhortation simply means a change of behavior. That can only happen if you can provide the charge along with the encouragement. Then the exhortation will work. Fathers are responsible to teach their children. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about the pastors and the teachers are to equip God's people for what? For the work of the ministry. It means that God charges pastors and teachers to exhort and instruct God's people. So you fathers must be equipped by the pastors and teachers. How? By studying the word of God. If we expose ourselves regularly to God and his word, then he himself will give us things to teach the children. We can teach what God teaches us. That is why we should attend regular Bible studies and develop regular learning of the word. Every father has to work out this formal instruction. You know, like it or not, we are all homeschooling our children. This gives us even more opportunity to instruct our children using God's word rather than secular curriculum. So as a father, first, you need to be equipped. So let me ask a question here, a reflection question. What formal teaching of God's word do you bring to your family as the father? How much time do you spend with the children providing formal teaching? Where do you do it? And to whom are you doing this? That's the question I want to leave with you. Now let's look at the informal teaching again from verse number 7. Now as you go back to verse number 7, Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about you shall talk with them. This passage really catches fathers of God. Some fathers do have family devotions with their children, but many fathers are too busy to spend any significant time engaging in worthwhile conversation with their children. We are so busy. This whole approach works only if the father loves God and be enriched by God's word. It will be evident in the way that you handle life's challenges. The children must see how you are handling life's challenges, that you are able to put your faith in practice. What you have learned in the word is put in practice. Let me share an example of an informal teaching. When my mother died about five years ago, it was a huge loss for me. And my family was so fearful of my health as to how I was going to handle it. But by the grace of God, when I went to England, my family followed. And I, when I met them in England, I shared with my children and my wife how the Lord strengthened me with his word and his assurance of eternal life by his promises from his word. Church, my experience of handling that loss I am sure he taught valuable lessons to my children. This is an example of an informal teaching, informal lesson. 
Children learn by observing the way we handle issues in life. Word of God becoming alive in you. When you are rubbed on the wrong side, when you are driving a vehicle, when somebody cuts across in front of you, when you are, when you are being put at fault for no reason, no fault of yours, how we behave can be a lesson to our children, informal lessons. And we are called to share our life experiences with the children. Now begs the question, when should a father do this? You'll ask me. And the answer is given in this passage again. Let's look at this again. It says here, you shall talk of them when there are four things that are given here. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's what it says. The first thing is when you sit in your house. As I said earlier, some dads are too busy at home watching televisions. They have enough time for TVs or surfing the web and going to sports event other than spending time with the children. Others have time, but the Lord is not on their hearts. They are prepared to talk excitedly about politics, about COVID, about global pandemic, about some basketball games or cricket matches, or some recent purchase that they made or some projects that they are involved in. But their main project should be, fathers, to know God and His Word. The lack of passion becomes obvious to your children as they observe you. The children's hearts go somewhere else, but not to the Lord. They're only doing what the Father does. They're copying the fathers. Church, we need to give time for our kids. We need to allow them, allow them to talk. We need to hear their pulse. We need to encourage them with the word. That's the first thing it says. When you are sitting, when you sit in your house. Secondly, it says, when you walk by the way. Now today, of course, it's mostly driving. When you're driving with your children. Oftentimes in the car, we're walking, or, or we, the father listens to some music, maybe some radio music that distracts from conversations. The children love to talk. They really want to communicate with you. They want to ask you questions. Do you ask them about their day? Do you talk to them at that time? It's a great opportunity because you are trapped within the four doors of the vehicle with them from A to B. I remember as this little, when my children were little, I used to play math games with my son because that was my passion. I will ask him, okay, we are leaving Dundas, we are going to Toronto, it's about 100, 100 miles and I'm going at 110 kilometers, sorry, 100 kilometers and I'm going at 110 kilometers, what time will I reach Toronto? I play these games, I give different numbers to work out because I love numbers. It's a great opportunity, church, for us to talk to the children. You can always play some gospel music. You can turn to 99.5 FM or Christian radio station. You can play some CDs like that. You can engage in conversation. You can play biblical games as you travel, Bible quizzes, or reward them for their efforts. Stop at a McDonald's and buy something for them and encourage them and motivate them. That's what Moses is talking about. The Lord is talking to the children through Moses here. When you walk by the way. Thirdly, we see when you lie down, getting ready for bed. 
It's a great time for dads to recount the day. Ask everyone to say something about the day when you come, to come for your prayers. And I hope, parents, that you're able to gather your children and having a family time together. A family prayer together, which is absolutely important for us. That's what you're learning from this. You have been asked to come together before you go to sleep. Ask everyone something about the day, some challenges that occurred during the day, some issues of contention, some behavioral issues. It's a great place to address that. A great time to exhort with the word. I remember growing up, I've said this many times, growing up, spending hours and hours with my dad in the nights, and I have no idea what I spoke about, but one thing I know, I received a lot of counsel from him. And I treasure those moments. It's a great time for you to, to teach them about reconciliation. Even if these are issues that, 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 that you had to reprimand your child during the day and, and, and there has been an unpleasant environment, it's a great time for you to reconcile with the children. Give them hugs and kisses and reassure them of their love. And all these are valuable lessons and all these must be done using the word. You are doing it because this is what the word says. That's what it means when you say we are going to lie, we do it when you lie down. And, 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 and thirdly, then we see that, uh, I'm sorry, one more thing I want, I want to share with you as you, even when you're going down, going to, going to sleep in the nights, it's very important that we, that we pay attention to Paul's exhortation in Ephesians chapter 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Parents, I just want to tell you one thing. If you can instill that habit in the children now, that you are going to reconcile, not only with the children, but also with your spouse. But as you go to sleep, you are going to claim this promise in your anger, do not sin. Let, the sun go, let, the, let not the sun go down while you are still angry. The children will see how the word becomes alive in your life. You set an example for them in their married lives as they come together with their partners. No matter what issues they face during the day, the issues will only last 24 hours the most. It's resolved by the end of the night as they go to sleep. A spiritual discipline that you develop in them using the word of God. That's what Moses is talking about here. And finally he says when you rise up early in the morning. The morning sets the pace and attitude of the day. The father should share some reflections from his morning devotions and say some statements and help the children properly look at each day. But the father should be an early riser so that he can help encourage the family when they get up. Now my children have grown up, but I know when they were, when they were studying in the schools every single day before they leave, I lay my hands on, the, on their heads and I pray over them. I speak a word of blessing before they let them go. And I must admit, I don't have the time, I, I, we don't get the time to do that together now. But that is the discipline that we need to develop as parents. Speak the word of God. Growing up, I remember I was woken up by looking at my dad on his knees and he's crying out to the Lord. That is the picture that stayed in me. And he didn't have to speak to me, but his action spoke to me loud and clear what is important for us in our lives. That's a great lesson for the children. You are the example. You are the example. 
Every day we face many situations, church. Though which the Lord wishes to teach us and then pass on to the children those lessons. You know, one thing I would encourage you to do, please move the television sets away from your main living area to a room which is not commonly used. Because sadly, today that we are all seated in the room, but we are not talking to each other, we are, all our eyes are focused on something that is being projected on that machine. Take it away. Take that away. I know that I don't have television in my house. I discipline myself to remove it because I didn't want the children to be distracted. I wanted that quality time. Let it not distract from our times together as a family. Mealtimes are another great opportunity, church, to share about what one is learning. Let me remind you, informal teaching is not the only kind of teaching. It must be a good companion to formal teaching. Both are required. Informal and formal. Let's move on to verses 8 and 9 now. This is what he says. As you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Church, these verses were later misused by the Pharisees and others who made themselves little boxes of leather worn on leather straps, which they tied around their heads and around their arms. Inside these boxes, they placed certain verses from the law and wore them wherever they went. Now, some Orthodox Jews still do this. It's called teflin. And let me show this to you. This is what it means. The picture explains everything, how they do that. But... God's intention when he said this word in verse number 8 and 9 is far more practical. He wants the word to be such a part of our lives that we are literally saturated in it. So much so that it motivates us in every area of our lives. So that our children know that we are living out the word. When they see us happy and blessed in the Lord, it will create an appetite in them for the same things. They may rebel for a little while, but certainly the Lord will work in their hearts and bring them home. Church, if we love God's word, it will be all around us. We can put scripture on our computer screens, on our walls and on our plagues, plugs. Excuse me. We should throw away some of those old items that show our old treasures and replace them with our growing love of God's word. Throw away those statues and statues and anything else associated with different religions and superstitious beliefs. Take down those pictures of movies and sports idols. If pictures are depressing, replace them with some scripture verses. The best place to store God's word is in our hearts, for sure. But what's on the walls of your house should only reflect what's in, our, in your hearts. So the question I want to leave with you is this. What do you decorate your walls with? Would anyone know that you have a great love for God from walking in and around your home? Church, more than memorize these verses with your children and learn to treasure them. 
Speak to them. Let the Lord's word do its work. Because the Lord's word will never return void. They will penetrate the hardened heart. They will break every fetter. Wow, what a powerful weapon that we have, church. May our house become a house of teaching. So as I conclude this study, may I remind you that it is far easier to build a child than to repair an adult. Now, how would you feel if your child grew up to be a Christian just like you? Would you be pleased with that? Or are there areas that need Lord's attention? If we have made mistakes, and we would, all of us, there is help. There is forgiveness. There is renewal in the Lord. Some parents actually need to apologize to their children for living contradictory lives before them. May that be, today be the day for that church. If you are convicted, take time with your kids and apologize to them for, their, for the contradictory lives that you have led. Any change must begin with the Lord. Mom and dad, in everything right in your relationship with the Lord. That's my question I want to ask you. Is everything right with the Lord? Is everything all right in your relationship with your children? If there are needs to be changed, please bring them to the Lord right now. Dads, you have to rethink your calling from God. It is from such verses as Deuteronomy chapter 6. We understand the true importance of the family. What legacy do you wish to leave behind? Do you want your children to remember you as the one who feared God? The one who obeyed God? The one who loved God? The one who treasured God's word? If so, church, the natural outcome is you will raise godly children. Your days will be prolonged and that it would go well with you. So my appeal to you, church, will you make a commitment to make your home a house of teaching? Corporately, let me give you a challenge. It's a challenge. And here's what I want. I want to call it the February challenge. And I'm going to pause the challenge every month. Please follow along. I want you to read a chapter a week from the book of Colossians. From the book of Colossians, read a chapter a week. I want you to choose to memorize a chapter a week. One chapter for one week. I want you to encourage everyone in the family to do so. By the end of this month in February, we would have memorized all four chapters. And I'm going to encourage you to write it down. Ask everyone in your family, without looking at the Bibles, to write it down. Let us share it with our children and our parents. And let us share it with our church family. And I'll give you opportunities that we are going to share in the early, early month of March. Church, let us make our home 
a house of teaching. And I want to conclude with this. The reward is on its way. Worship team, would you come up please? Let's, let me pray with you. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the lesson that we learned today. We thank you for the conviction that you brought about today, God. And we all admit that we have failed as parents, as individuals. We have failed to be a person who feared God, to be known as a person who obeyed God, to be known as a person who loved God, to be known as a person who treasured God's word. Master, we have offended, we have failed, we have sinned. We ask for forgiveness. And as we come to you, Master, we thank you that you are a God who is just and faithful, that you will forgive us, all our, forgive all our unrighteousness. And we pray that you will help us, a God, to live our legacy right. And I pray that we, as we take upon this challenge that has been posed to us today, that we will be diligently making our home into a house of teaching. But without your help, we cannot do that, Master. Pray that you will allow every father, every mother, every son, every daughter to take on this challenge and to turn our homes into a house of teaching. We ask all these in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.